0: Chapter Forty Two of Fruits of the Spirit. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chad Horner from Ballyclare in County Antrim, Northern Ireland. Fruits of the Spirit by Hamilton Wright Maybe. Chapter Forty Two: The Credibility of Love. All the world loves a lover, not only because he recalls a brief ecstasy in the memory of the multitude who are living in the light of common day but because he rounds out to its full dimensions the passional and romantic capacity of the race for a host of men and women life is a tracery gradually becoming obliterated of generous passions and great hopes a fading of the sky of dawn into the dull arch of a grey noon it is not the blackness in life that brings weariness and repulsion it is the monotonous greyness It is not radical skepticism that blights faith and takes the bloom of the days it is indifference disillusion cynicism the root of these destructive forces which rob life of its romance its wonder its perennial freshness of interest is in the man not in the order of things and society has always been full of those who losing the mind and heart of childhood have not realized the aging of their spirits and have thought the world grown old Now the lover, wiser than the children of the world, carries the fresh heart and keeps his vision securely among the blind. Great men are the true men, writes Amiel, the men in whom nature has succeeded. They are not extraordinary, they are in true order. It is the other species of men who are not what they ought to be. The story of the rise of men from the Stone Age has been a long record of discovery, the continual finding of unsuspected wealth and of unused forces in earth and air it is quite certain that there are hidden from us today, within our reach or the reach of our children a thousand uses of the chemistry of the soil and air of which the marvellous divinations of the last two decades have been only dimly prophetic if this inexhaustible treasury of uses and adaptations of force and material were not matched by any kindred capacity in men There would have been no history of science, and the world would present the ignoble paradox of an incalculable fortune in the keeping of an imbecile. That treasury never opens, save at the touch of intelligence, and the rarest things in guards are accessible only to the insight of genius, so that the story of discovery is the story of the discoverer. His growth has been registered in the uncovering of the secrets of the world in which he lives. From the beginning he has been slowly and rapidly bringing out of the depths of his nature great and heroic qualities. He has, with infinite labour, made a place for himself not only with the work, but among the thoughts of God. And he is still in an early stage of his growth, despite his forebodings of the faint-hearted or the near-sighted, despite the apprehensions of those who do not recognise the multiplying signs that we are in a growing, not in a completed universe. The future holds more spiritual and subtle gifts in its hands, and the men are unfolding more and more the capacity to receive and use these higher things. In the face of a thousand discouraging outbreaks and downfalls, men are rising in the scale of spiritual living, and there are before the race some almost unsuspected possibilities of greatness. The unimaginative suspect, the reality of the conclusions of the man, insight and in every age the cassandras who have foreseen the approach of fate have been rejected and scorned but the man of imagination is the only man who really sees the world or knows what it holds for men greatness has so far been incredible to small men and from time to time futile attempts are made to explain genius as a form of disease and if the early stages of growth could be wholesome and the supreme stage The final decisive planting of the feet on the summit abnormal it is in greatness not in littleness that nature touches the goal of her endeavor the great spirits are neither abnormal nor diseased they are in true order this does not involve a new kind of men in the world it involves a higher development of the men now in possession of the world it may be suspected that a vast amount Of What appears to be mediocrity is in reality undeveloped intelligence and power and that society need not so much a wider possession of intellect as a higher energizing of the intellect it is very inadequately using. In like manner there are immense reserves of passion, devotion, chivalry still to be drawn on and the world is full of men who might be great lovers if they knew that love is an art as well as an ecstasy there are as many undeveloped resources of love in the hearts of men as there are undeveloped forces and qualities in the world about and the soul within us under the pressure of the tyranny of things in a critical age which distrusts the reality of great spiritual superiorities and is afraid of great passions those who might reap the uttermost harvests of love are content with a few sheaves they look at the glow in the sky of youth as a pathetic promise of a day which never dawned the ecstasies reported by the great lovers they regard as the poetic or symbolic expressions of imaginative men to the literal minded such an experience as that recorded in the vita nuova has no roots in reality it is an elaborate and somewhat morbid fiction of a great poet there are many who accept the authenticity of Romeo's consuming passion but regret utterly the sustained passion transmuted into a great idealism which has its classic examples in beatrice and laura in the preoccupation of pressing affairs the absorption of vitality in dealing with things the imagination is undeveloped and becomes atrophied and the stunted spirit grows sceptical of the reality and uses of poetry and in like manner the failure to unfold the power of love by the practice of the art of loving makes the maimed spirit incredulous of the ecstasies and adoration of those who are possessed by the genius of passion makes sport of romeo's intensity of emotion because the great passion has not touched him let the faintest breath rest on that gallant nature and the scorn of a world would not count a feather's weight against its splendid devotion. To believe in great thoughts and deeds, a man must share in them. To believe in a great passion, a man must experience it. For to every man come the things which belong to him by reason of his arms, loves, faith. To the commonplace, the commonplace is always present. To those who have vision as well as sight, the world grows more wonderful the further they penetrate its mysteries. To the nature that has never known a great passion, passing on into a secure and noble devotion the annals of love belong to the literature of fiction to those who know what love may become in the hearts of the pure and the lives set apart to its service they are faint transcriptions of an experience that lies for the most part beyond the bounds of speech there is a greatness in love as in mind a superiority which reveals without explaining itself a genius which is as real as it is inexplicable the scepticism of those upon whom this divine grace has never rested the cynicism of those who have lost the power of love through infidelities to its nature and laws the indifference of those who work with their hands and are content never to look at the sky over their heads count as little as do the blind man's doubt of the reality of painting the deaf man's scepticism of the spell of music bad man's denial of virtue In the art of love, as in all things, life is full of the pathos of the searching, saying that, Unto every one that hath shall it be given, and he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. End of chapter 42, recording by Chad Horner from Ballyclare in County Antrim, Northern Ireland.